0: You're listening to Trek FM.
1: Hi and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name's Jera and thanks for tuning in. Today we have with us the rest of our crew, Sue. Hi everybody. Andy. Hey everyone and grace hey y'all and before we get started into the main bulk of our show which is interviews that i did at star trek las vegas with chase masterson and nana visitor from Deep space nine uh, we wanted to take a minute to pay tribute to a awesome star trek guest star that passed away recently yvonne craig so andy do you want to start with that
2: Sure. I mean, I know a lot of people know her from Batgirl. I sadly never got to see her as Batgirl and wasn't really familiar with her from that. So my first experience with her as an actress was from Whom Gods Destroy, which is a third season Star Trek episode, the original series episode. Um And I think it's a really cool episode. And the main reason I like it is because of her character, Marta, who is... Awesome and funny and dangerous and just really, really cool. I mean, she dances and she stabs Kirk and, you know, she quotes Shakespeare, but pretends she wrote it. I mean, how, how do you get such a cool character? all in uh, one place like that. It was really awesome. And that's one of my favorite characters they ever did.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely know her more, I think if her more is associated with Batgirl, because I really like grew up on the 1960s Batman and my friends and I used to play dress up and I always used to like fight over being Batgirl, because she was like a librarian who kicked ass. <laughs> um, I think that you know, the roles that she played at the time meant a lot to girls and women and even still do today. Yeah, she actually, um, did an equal pay public service announcement as Batgirl. There are so many, um, episodes of that show where like Batman and Robin are like tied up and then Batgirl kind of appears out of nowhere and saves them. And I mean, there are, there's Damsel in Distress episodes too, but a lot of times it, kind of role reverses, and then she disappears, and they don't actually know her secret identity. So, anyway. She's the one holding all the cards in that relationship.
3: It's pretty great. Yeah,
1: We've been seeing some beautiful tributes online to her, and I
3: think the one that got to me the most was just Gail Simone repeatedly and repeatedly saying, Do you think I would have gotten into superhero comics back in the 60s if it hadn't been for Batgirl? Honestly. And just being able to acknowledge that a single character can have that much a wider effect on both the franchise and just the general market of selling superheroes is incredible. And I think they owe a lot of that to Yvonne Craig because her performance was just great.
2: Well, if she was anywhere as good as she was as Marta, I will have to check it out because I'm still amazed that they she's... You know, that's just friggin' delightful man. She is. I mean, she's so funny and she's so beautiful, but she's also like a little bit scary. I love it. It's so great to have that many that many characteristics into one female character was really fun to see.
0: And kind of rare for TOS, right? I mean, a multi dimensional character like that in the third season of T O S is kind of surprising, but really appreciated. <laughs>
1: Do you have any more thoughts on Yvonne Craig? She
3: will be sorely missed.
2: Just as a side note, if you are interested in cool Star Trek posters, um, I think his name is Juan Ortiz. Is that his name? Yeah, there's an, that's him. There's an artist that does really, really, really cool original series posters. And the one for Whom Gods Destroy is Marta looking scarily over her shoulder with a knife behind her back. It's awesome. It's definitely my favorite poster he's ever done. So if you're interested, you should check that out. Um, it's a cool poster and a tribute to a cool character.
1: Cool. So uh, now we'll get into uh, these interviews. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I was at Star Trek Las Vegas. And while I was there on behalf of Women at Warp, I interviewed two amazing Trek actresses who both played Bajoran women on Deep Space Nine, uh, Nana Visitor and Chase Masterson. Both of them were so lovely. I had the absolute best time sitting down with them, actually, at the beginning of the Nana Visitor one. Um, I'm, like, so nervous. I'm kind of giggly. So apologies for that. But um, it was a really amazing experience. I don't think we can blame you, Jera. That's pretty amazing (laughs) to be able to meet them. Yeah. My friend uh, Amy, who's appeared on the show, too, also did an interview for her blog with Nana. And, um... She was saying, like, if only I had known when I was getting bullied for liking Star Trek in high school that one day I would have Nana Visitor's cell phone number and would be sitting down oh to interview her. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It really does get better. So yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're actually going to start with the interview with Chase Masterson, who of course played Leta on DS9. I actually first met her at Geek Girl Con a few years ago, and I've always been really inspired by her. Um, she, she does an incredible amount of community work and... Uh, She's also spoken a lot, um, we didn't talk about it in this interview, but at Geek Girl Con when I first saw her, you know, she experienced some really bad harassment and stalking as a result of her, uh, role on Deep Space Nine, and, um, she has talked a lot about, you know, how awful and unfair that was and the issues that she had with, you know, having law enforcement basically be like, what do you expect? You're a sexy actress. Um, so, it's kind of awful that she went through that, um, but I'm so glad that she is continuing to speak out and be super awesome.
2: She sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, we talked at her table in the vendor's room. Oh, and then, as you'll hear, part of the cool thing about entering in the vendor's room is that about halfway through, we were approached by an important figure from Trek women's history. Dun-dun-dun. Enjoy the, uh... So hi, this is Jarrah Hodge, and I'm here at Star Trek Las Vegas with the fabulous Chase Masterson, who of course played Leda on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Hey
3: Jara, thanks so much for having me. You guys are doing a really cool thing.
1: Aw, uh, thanks. Um, so I was wondering to start off with, like, what were your, uh, how did you come about getting the role of Leda, and what were your first impressions of the character? Oh,
3: thanks. It's a wild story. Um, I had been in an acting class of ten people in a city of 12 and a half million people. And three of those people were Jonathan Del Arco, who played Hugh on mm-hmm. Next Gen, yeah. um, Garrett from Voyager, okay. and me. Yeah. And further, the class was being taught by Corey Allen, who had directed quite a bit of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And anyway, neither Garrett nor I were working at all much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I had done General Hospital and a couple of smaller jobs by then, but jo- Jonathan had been on Next Generation, And he also was doing conventions. And he would go to these events worldwide and come back and tell us how great it was Mm -hmm. that he got to go to these events. He got to meet the people that make the show possible, which is you guys, the fans. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. That's the show I want to be on. So actually, DS9 is the one show I prayed to be on. And I made it a point to meet the casting director, Ron Surma. Mm -hmm. It was one of these $30 pay-to-meet showcases. Mm -hmm. And I met him once Mm -hmm. and I went in and auditioned and um, it was for the role of Marta which was Jake's girlfriend I think in the second season and she was a Bajoran Dabo girl and I thought how cool is that Mm -hmm. Bajoran being uh, uh, spiritual and Dabo girl being fun and I could relate to both of those things and I thought that'd be great so I worked really hard on that audition and I got down to the final two Mm -hmm. but I didn't get it and then they wrote the role of Lita for me oh that's so cool it was pretty cool pretty cool. Thank you. So
1: um, Lita obviously, I think, evolved over the course of the show. Um, like, She still was still spiritual and still fun, um, but uh, I think that she got a bit deeper, and I, I'm wondering how you feel about how her evolution went, and whether you had any say in how well she developed.
3: I love that Lita got deeper. I wish, frankly, that there had been more time, more screen time to have her be stronger and... Mm-hmm. Uh, just to show more of, uh, I don't know, more of the sides that she showed, like in Bar Association. You know, Lita stood up for the right thing. She stood up for the side of the common man and the union, and yeah. she stood up against injustice. And And she loved the guy that was only pretty on the inside. Mm-hmm. And a lot of very, very Star Trek themes are present in Lita. Yeah. And it's it's also very Star Trek... Thing, that those themes would be present in someone where you least expect it I mean most Dabo girls didn't have all that mm-hmm. and it was a really great blessing really a really cool thing and I'm, I'm so grateful for it yeah. um, there are other sides of me that I've gotten to play in other roles mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't haven't seen yeah. uh, I, that I frankly I, I wish that there had been more of that in, in this because more, more people have seen this but I'm 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 still very, very grateful.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have a favorite Lita moment?
3: Oh, boy. Um, favorite? Li- no one's ever asked me that. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of them. I think the one, you know, the, when, when Lita and Rom got married, mm-hmm. and I didn't want us to be separated, despite the fact that there would be danger to me. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, was really, really powerful. You know, and I also think it was really powerful when I wanted. You know, it was a, it was very short. You know, these are all done in one one page scenes. Mm-hmm. But when Lita wanted to not have a prenup because she didn't want Ram and Lita to ever split up, there was no question about it. I mean, Lita was committed, yeah. And those kinds of things, I love mm-hmm. those scenes. Ira Bear, sorry if I'm going on no, about this, no. but I'll tell you real fast. I, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Ira Bear told me that he wanted Lita and Rom to be the happy couple on television. Yeah, yeah, and he mentioned that on TV, yeah. there are rarely happy couples mm-hmm. that are uh, that have ongoing storylines. Yeah. Usually there's some sort of infidelity, mm-hmm. um, addiction, something that's going on. Yeah. And he wanted to make the point that you can be happy and still be interesting. Yeah. I think that definitely came across. It's a great life lesson. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lita and Rom were like the Lucy and Ricky of Star Trek, yeah. I think. Oh, and speaking mm-hmm. of which, oh. uh, Cosplay oh Lucy gosh. just walked up.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> if it wasn't for
3: me, none of you guys would have had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is funny. Cosplay Lucy just walked up, and she is saying, uh, Cosplay Lucille Ball is saying, if it wasn't for me, you guys would never have had the show you had and it's true thanks you know that's a great point to be making here this is a a... i'm from the podcast women at work so we're talking about women in star trek and part of that is the history of women behind the scenes like we feel yeah no it's great it's fantastic that you walked up with a female oriented podcast and that is true i mean strong women do amazing things we run the world in ways that a lot of people don't look at and don't realize and don't really appreciate and that's got to stop yeah you know, anyway, thank God there are more of us day by day. Yeah. Um, so I just have a couple more
1: questions. So uh, what is your favorite non-leader role that you play?
3: Um, There are several. Uh, one role I'm very proud of is the role of the singer in Yesterday Was a Lie. It's a, it's a, the second lead in the film. It's uh, uh, The name of this person is just singer because she's a very mysterious um ethereal and very strong knowing character um, Yesterday Was Lies a film noir shot in classic black and white which is a, uh, it's a science fiction noir oh, and amazing. yeah mm-hmm. I sing four songs in the film um, I sing jazz yep. and I sing golden era music mm-hmm. and so that was a real treat Um it, we got f- phenomenal reviews, so check that awesome. out. Yesterday was a lie.
1: I kind of wish we got to see you singing Vix, too, now.
3: <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. You know, they talked about it, but there yeah. just wasn't enough screen time. You know, by oh, the time all great. that conversation started, the show was winding okay. down. And so, you know, you got to think about with this many recurring characters, uh, it, that's part of why the world is so beloved, because that's how the world is. You don't just know six people well, yes. you know, you know the world of them. And with that many recurring characters it was nice to get that kind of screen time as it as it is you know and to be here 16 years later celebrating that and all the things that are are important that we learned from star trek
1: yeah absolutely so um just to finish up uh one of the reasons that i know that myself and the other women at work co-hosts are such fans of yours is that you do so much awesome work in the community Thank you. And um, I know that right now you are working on the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, but I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners a bit about that sort of brief overview and how they can find out more information.
3: Thank you so much. This is really close to my heart. I founded the Pop Culture Hero Coalition two years ago because I realized that nobody had ever made a stand against bullying at a Comic-Con. And to me, bullying encompasses racism, misogyny, and other forms of hate. And it's so important that we as science fiction fans who know the kind of world that it should be, make a stand for these things. Heroism belongs in real life, not just on screen. And I love that you're doing the work that you're doing as well. So rock on. And I, uh, I thought I founded this with um, an anti-bullying expert named Carrie Goldman. We can tell you about how the f- whole foundation of the organization happened, But I'm really honored to be working with Carrie. She is one of the nationwide experts against bullying. And uh, her roots in it started because she was standing up for her daughter, who you may have heard of, Star Wars. Ka- Katie. Uh, Katie was bullied by uh, uh, kids at school when she was six years old for bringing her Star Wars lunchbox to school. And all the kids said, you can't like Star Wars. You're a girl. Oh, really? <laughs> And so a bunch of us women in science fiction stood up for her and Katie ended up, uh, I'm sorry, Carrie, her mom, ended up writing a book about it. Yeah. And I, I helped Carrie get into the Comic-Con scene and said, let's let's make this a big deal. Let's make a stand mm-hmm. for equality. And we are. And I look forward to telling you more about it. It's pretty exciting. So yeah. in the meantime, if you guys want to, you can look it up uh, on Twitter. We're at SuperheroIRL. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. And, uh...
3: <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. excited about things oh, that's ahead. that's
1: so great. Yeah. Um, Was
3: well, there anything else you wanted to tell people before we wrap up? Um, you know, if I could tell you one other thing yeah. about uh, the work I'm doing. Um, sure. I have my own Doctor Who spinoff. It's... Th- oh, my gosh. Thank you. It's fun. Yeah. It's, um, I did a couple of the episodes of Doctor Who Big Finish. Yeah. And... It's a fantastic company. Mm-hmm. They do these audio adventures that are fully produced with okay. lots of cool actors and sound effects and music and all that and great story. Okay. And they can do amazing yeah. stories because it's only audio. They don't have to spend a hundred, two hundred yeah. million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, and they can still tell a great story. Yeah. Well, I, I worked opposite a couple of the original doctors, mm-hmm. um, Tom Baker yeah. and oh, Sylvester cool. McCoy. Yeah. And my character opposite Sylvester went over very well mm-hmm. and they spun it off. They said, Would you like your own Doctor Who spin-off. Yeah. So I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and now we are in our third season. Yeah. I play an impossibly glamorous mercenary assassin. Yes. <laughs> a fantastic, really smart yeah. kick-ass woman. But the coolest thing about this is I don't go after my uh, my enemies, mm-hmm. the bad guys, with violence. Yeah. I I'm smart enough to help to make them undo themselves. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, it's Vienna's brains, rather than anything else, that save the day. And I love seeing that in a woman.
1: That's so cool. I'm so looking forward to checking that out. Thank you. (laughs) It's called Vienna,
3: and you can find it at bigfinish.com. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, rock on, ladies. We're... We're doing amazing stuff in the world. I'm so happy to be a part of, of this podcast, and I look forward to talking with you again. Oh,
1: thanks so much for your time, Chase. And Thank enjoy you. enjoy the rest of your convention.
3: Thank you. Oh, and I'll keep you posted on, on stuff if you want to find me on Twitter. I'm at Chase Masterson. Yes.
1: So that was the interview with Chase Masterson. Um, I... Uh, I have a couple thoughts. First of all, I super, super want to see that sci-fi noir film that she was talking about yesterday was a lie, um, which, fun fact, uh, also stars Kipley Brown, who played Jane Taylor on Enterprise. I was really touched um, at the end where she was talking about um, how science fiction fans know what the world should be and that it's our responsibility to make the world we have better because we we can envision that better
0: future. Um. So that was super, super cool.
2: That's basically our mission statement. So I love that.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true of sci fi fans in general, but specifically Star Trek fans, because Star Trek really is the sci fi that is always optimistic, even, mm. you know, Deep Space Nine, which is considered the war show. It's looking towards a better future. So that's, Really wonderful.
1: Yeah, and I mean, she even talked about that a bit in the interview about how she, uh, her character was very, um, optimistic and and committed and had good principles. And I think that's true. I think that. You know, the way that Lita starts out, it would be very easy to pigeonhole her into a stereotype, but she doesn't continue um, in that narrow mold. She grows a lot throughout the course of the rest of the series.
2: I've just finished up the um, third book of These of the Voyages, which I really enjoyed. Um, But thinking about the. L- Uh, Lucille Ball class player it was super interesting to see kind of behind the scenes on the original series how important she actually was and we do really have to thank her for a lot hail Queen Lucille
1: That was super fun. I was uh, really impressed with that cosplayer.
2: That's a freaking genius cosplay. It's so unique. I mean, people wouldn't
1: think to do it, but she does have such a place
2: in Star Trek history.
1: Yeah, she had a little like embroidered apron that said uh, Desilu and was wearing like the little polka dot dress sort of from the I Love Lucy show and the red wig. It was super cute.
0: I'm gonna have to steal that idea. I'm (laughs) sorry. It's gonna happen. (laughs) I think you would make a great Lucille Ball, Sue.
1: The other thing, so Chase Masterson and I talked about the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, which I think is super important work, both in dealing with bullying generally in fan communities and schools, um, but also at conventions. And it was... Slightly ironic that we were talking about this at Star Trek Las Vegas, which I've always experienced to be very friendly. I've never had a problem there personally, but, um, I, I, like, I personally believe that all conventions should at least have policies on harassment and bullying, and they definitely don't. But, uh, it, it was cool that she was there. Um, that was a main feature of her table was to promote that cause, and, uh, We didn't talk about her other work because we just didn't have time, but she's put extensive time into working on AIDS causes and with Homeboy Industries, which is an organization focused on providing job training, education, support to um, former gang members and high-risk young adults in East L.A. Wow. Yeah, like, she's really doing a lot of on-the-ground work, and she says, um, she had a quote in an interview I was reading that, it's important to serve causes that you can't relate to, to reach out in compassion to people with very different experiences to our own. Only then do we move beyond doing something for ourselves and really engage in changing the world for others.
0: Now that's being an ally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, how do I use my privilege and my position and my time and resources in a way that benefits them, but isn't condescending, if that makes sense. Um, So I think she's a a really great role model, honestly. I'm glad you got a chance to talk to her. Yeah, for sure. So next up, I spoke with Nana Visitor. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, of course, she played Kira on Deep Space Nine, um, my favorite woman character on Trek, and a really important role model to me growing up. This is Jar here at Star Trek Las Vegas, and I am very, very excited to be uh, here interviewing the fabulous Nana visitor, who's of course Kira from Deep Space Nine. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm
4: thrilled to be talking to you. <laughs>
1: um, I was just saying that uh, we at Women of War are big Kira fans. When we went over our, our favorite characters, uh, two out of four of us picked, picked Kira. So, I love that! Don't know what was wrong with the other two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was wondering how soon did you realize how groundbreaking a character Kira was going to be and the impact that she was going to have on female fans in particular?
4: I didn't really for uh, for a couple of years, I'd say. My nose was to the ground stone so carefully. It was such hard work, and it was such an intense time of in my life that I really didn't um, understand. And to a certain degree, I'd have to say it's right now when women who grew up with me uh, say, here's my daughter, and she loves it. Mm-hmm. And and there are 12-year-old boys who said, I love your character. N- just now. I mm-hmm. mean, the the generations later that still go, I get who that person is, uh, who Kira was. And that's when I go, oh, my goodness. That's cool. Yeah. I think uh, that, you know, we...
1: Um, I know that it's only now kind of that I appreciate how unique she was, Mm -hmm. and I I was listening to you being interviewed on the Trek Geeks podcast a while ago, and um, you sort of um, said that maybe you thought that Kira might have been different or maybe not, wouldn't have been able to be written for a show today, and I'm wondering if you could tell me a bit more about
4: how you think that would play out. Well, call her a freedom fighter, but she was a terrorist, Mm -hmm. and post nine eleven, it's a different world in in terms of what you the fact that we could look at her without too much judgment mm-hmm. really um and allow a leading character to have made mistakes to have been so uh flawed in many ways um I, I, I did think that was groundbreaking. And at, in the first few years, I got a lot wow. of pushback. I got a lot of people, even within the, tre- the the tight world of the Trek world, saying she was a bitch. Mm. And, um, and for some reason, I was able to have the fortitude to not care. Mm-hmm. And to go, I know where this is leading, and either you're going to get it or you won't, but I'm not going to soften her. Mm -hmm. Even though they did physically, um, you know, change my costume, change my hair, try this, try that. In the end, they didn't change Kira. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super awesome. I think, um, like
1: I was reading a quote from Iris Stephen Bear who said that, you know, some Men feel threatened by Kira, uh, but that's not because she's a bad character, but because we live in a screwed-up society. Uh,
4: I love that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm glad that uh, that you stuck to your guns on that. I was wondering um, how you felt. Um, both it, it was how was the experience for you being pregnant on the show, as well as how they portrayed that in Kira's storyline. And was there anything you would have done differently?
4: Yes, there are. Um, You have to understand it was a different time. And pregnancy was seen as a weakness. I mean, in the work world. I mean, it was like something you could be fired for as an actor, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And because they didn't fire me, I felt beholden to have them, have no one be impacted by the fact that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I... I was in labor
0: mm-hmm.
4: on the set, but would say nothing. Oh,
1: my gosh.
4: Uh, I, Whenever someone said, here's a chair, mm-hmm. uh, when I was waiting for an entrance, I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to do anything for me out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think now I would see it in a very different way. I would go, no, this is part of the... Reality and truth of my moment and I embrace it and mm-hmm. it, you know just like you embrace and accept the fact that you've gained weight from a pregnancy mm-hmm. and deal with that um, you know the fact that you may need help and be vulnerable uh, I, I don't think I embrace that uh, as much as I should have uh, the way they dealt with it on the show I thought there was something to delve into the fact that she could hand a child over that easily mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen even just one line Mm -hmm. instead of just like, yep, here's your kid. (laughs) Bye-bye. Done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that there's, having been pregnant, there's there's something that happens, you know? I, I can't believe Kira could be in a bath with the child and not have some kind of mental connection with it and, and be so it, have it be so easy to just hand over. Mm-hmm. But I guess they were tired of that storyline. It's like, okay, you did it. You had your baby. <laughs> we're done with that. <laughs> Let's move on.
1: And how was it um, having small kids um, while you were working such long hours? And
4: I made a vow mm-hmm. that the only one who was going to pay for that was me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I, I didn't make that happen i i I know that they had to pay. they grew up on Paramount mm-hmm. um, not having me there to be just I tried to have the boring time mm-hmm. where they're doing something, and I'm just sitting with them, but it was in a trailer mm-hmm. on the Paramount lot, and when we went for walks, it was to the paramount you know the famous fountain yeah. uh you know, walk around the fountain, and we had this game that we played with our hands, wetting them and making. You know, but it it maybe wasn't the childhood I would have loved to have given them, mm-hmm. but it's the it was our situation at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and as I've said before, when Django was four, someone said, "Where are you from? You're not from New York." When we mm-hmm. moved to New York, he said, "No, I'm from Star Trek, Los Angeles," <laughs> and he was. <laughs> he definitely was. <laughs>
1: So, um, I was wondering with, um, how you felt about, uh, Kira's relationship with Odo
4: becoming romantic. I didn't want it to. Mm-hmm. I was not in favor of that. I love exploring intimate relationships that are not romantic mm-hmm. or sexual. Um, I think there's so much to be mined from that, but people want to, people want romance. You know, even in Star Trek land, they they want romance. So, it, it happened, and that's the way it went. Um, and listen, the fact that I got to work with Renee day in and day out, that was the that was the ginger of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. But um, yeah, I would have loved for them to have been real intimate friends mm-hmm. the whole time. That's cool. Yeah, (laughs) I think
1: that's uh, that's totally valid. I don't think we see enough variations on the possibilities of different relationships. Right. Exactly. So
4: well put. That's exactly what I mean.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Um, If you got to just if you had got to make an episode that got had Kira do a thing that she didn't get to do, is there like one thing that you would have made had her do? that you wanted to happen didn't happen that was not the most eloquently phrased no 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 I
4: get it I get it there's so many things that I've got to do yeah I got to Mm -hmm. I got to pilot the defiant you know I got to sit in the chair Mm -hmm. that was like that was a big deal yeah and Renee would always say Nana, you know this isn't real I mean you're you're so excited to be in the chair. It's not actually happening. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was exciting. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I got to transport. I got mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Um I, I really the thing that I would have loved to have explored was the baby issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Her her giving the baby that you grew inside of her. I, I just would have loved to have known what that relationship, what her emotions would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe nothing, but I, I would have been curious about that. Do you have, like, a favorite Kira moment? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I am in ops, and we are being attacked. Mm-hmm. And and I like this for, I mean, I look at Kira as if it's not me, mm-hmm. and I go, that's who Kira is Uh and she's knifed Mm. and she's fighting and she's knifed and she keeps fighting Mm -hmm. and she drops down because she has been knifed but she stands back up and just keeps going like some kind of pit bull Mm -hmm. and I think that was exactly who Kira was for me Mm -hmm. you know the mind over matter mind over pain that's so cool (laughs)
1: Awesome. Um, Are you working on other projects at the moment that you're excited about and want to share with our listeners? My
4: most exciting project, and it started out because I sat and went, what do I most want to do? Mm -hmm. And it would be to work on stage with Renee because he's such an amazing stage performer. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I sat down and I wrote a play. And now it's morphed into something more that... He may never do, I don't know, but he has. I've been showing it to him every step of the way. And uh, it's been a real passion project. When I was little, I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And I always have, but bits and pieces, never one piece. So I'm really interested in getting it produced. I'd love to do it. Oh, do you, can you tell us what it's about? It's kind of complicated, okay. <laughs> but it is uh, one night in New York City and it's a two-hander, it's two people. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, not quite. But um, it's an older actress who, through ser- a, a series of phone calls, spirals down to the point where she's going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And she turns on the gas and her cat starts talking to her Oh my and my <laughs> of course Renee was the cat is the cat. Always oh will gosh. be my cat.
1: It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, I will fly to go see that. <laughs> <for sure. laughs>
4: and uh they have a conversation where the cat, through his innate simple wisdom, is able to bring her back
2: mm-hmm. from
4: the edge. Yeah. Um, and it's funny and uh it it'll be a challenge if it's not Renee and me and now, I, I mean, it starts with a 12-page monologue, so I'm kind of hoping it's not me. <laughs> it's ultimately going to do it. It's a lot of work. Um, but it it will be challenging and really, really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. That sounds so great. Thank you. That, that's very exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah. I'm, it's like a baby. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very uh, powerful for me to look at it sitting on the table and go, I did that. And I did it for Renee. Oh, cool! That's yeah. great. And I mean, obviously, like
1: you were kind of brought up in the stage, and yeah, um, it's. Um, I think it. We brought a
4: lot to, DSpace Nine to have that background as well. Your it character. it it is such a good discipline. Mm-hmm. It's such a good discipline because I've danced I, in my youth with broken bones and mm. this and that. It's just like, it's they used to call it Dr. Footlights mm-hmm. adrenaline. Yeah, you just. Do what you need to do. The most important mm-hmm. thing, is the show goes on, mm-hmm. and everything else comes second. And uh, that's how I felt about Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. That just was my priority. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you have um, a favorite, um, like not one of the major principal cast, but a favorite sort of guest star or recurring character that you enjoyed working with?
4: Oh, there were so <laughs> many. But here's here's the thing. Uh, you know. A lot of our regular cast were guest mm-hmm. stars mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm. So you know Garrick and mm-hmm. all these people—they mm-hmm. they were—they were, they, they were regular. Yeah, they were one of us mm-hmm. as far as we were concerned. Yeah. So the whole extended cast was um, huge, but Renee um, is one of my favorite people on Earth. Yes.
1: How did you
4: feel about um, the scenes with, with Gul like throughout the show? That's, they're so creepy. <laughs> He's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now, the, our our, our Dukat today would probably be Kevin Bacon. He, oh. almost, appre- he almost approaches yeah. creepiness mm-hmm. the way uh, Mark Alimo does. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, Mark would be like, it was almost like once he got into his scales... Mm-hmm he became Gull Ducat and he'd always be like, let's do this scene in front of the stars. Won't that be romantic? And it was so creepy. (laughs) It was like, Oh my God, no, (laughs) you're over there. I'm here. We're doing the scene this way. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: (laughs) That's so like, yeah, I can't even imagine. Wow. And, um, I think, um, Kira also had a really interesting relationship with Kai too. Like even which,
4: Louise. Yeah. I mean oh, wow. yeah. talk about one of my favorites and another creepy person mm-hmm. who gets by her creepiness because she's saying these things, but you go, But this is a sweet woman. Mm-hmm. And the, the juxtaposition is becomes creepy. And that's the point of Louise. Mm-hmm. Off screen, she is the sweetest funniest woman Mm -hmm. i loved her (laughs) and i still do i love her
1: oh that's so great um Um, let me just see i think that was most of my questions
4: excellent questions
1: oh thanks (laughs) um thank you so much again for taking the time my pleasure Um,
2: I'm just excited that I can finally share in the Kira love with you guys, even a little bit, because one we... of us, one <laughs> of us. Well, when we started, we were doing our our first episode on our favorite female characters and all three of us were like, Kira. And I was like, I don't know who that is. So now it's it's cool that, you know, it's only, but it's still, I mean, that character already means a lot to me. So now I get to geek out with you about such a cool interview guest and how much I love Kira. And there's more to come. Yay.
1: Yay! Um, I was so excited when she told me about the play that would have Renee as a talking cat. <laughs> Why did I instantly
5: imagine him in like a Hello Kitty suit? I can't I
0: imagining. can't get it out of my head. Big Amazing. I just love um, I thought I was in the minority with not really loving the Kira Odo relationship, but to hear her say that, that you're either co-workers or romantic, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. I feel validated <laughs> with my opinion of that relationship now. Totally.
1: I mean, I, well, you know, when I was watching it, when it first aired, I was also like a teenager and I was very into romantic storylines and I totally shipped Kira and Odo. And I think the attraction for me was partly that like Odo so deeply loved her for who she was. and. I that just really appealed to me that she was never asked to change uh who she was for him. Um he could do changing enough for both of them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um and I liked that you know he I mean he had to open up a bit to be able to express himself, but he also was a very unique character and I like that idea of of two people who are very much themselves coming together and, and bonding, and he'd always been there supporting her and been such a good friend Um that I I do really like that relationship, but I was really interested. I've heard uh, Nana talk a little bit about it before, and I totally see where she and where Yusu are coming from on that, that I don't think there are enough options in our media for the way that men and women can have relationships. It, it's kind of heteronormative. Um
0: There really are no super strong man-woman friendships on DS9 and you can argue like Cisco Dax but let's be real Cisco is friends with Curzon he's not really friends with Judzia
1: yeah, and I mean, I think, like, and the fact that we don't see those relationships, it, it comes from and it reinforces this idea of, like, friend zoning, that the idea that, like, it's somehow an insult if a woman only wants to be friends with you. Um, And that's super problematic in terms of, like, it reinforces a sort of a sense of entitlement to women. Um, but it also, it really cheats people out of strong opposite sex friendships so i think that it would have been really cool to see that continue um but uh even though i did i did appreciate the romance on the show i mean
2: i've only seen it a a little over a season of their relationship but it's always really impressed me how clear it is that odo knows her so well and he's actually the one that comes in and kind of reminds her who she is sometimes like Fight. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. Fight for what you believe in. And I just really like them together. I'll be interested to see, you know, how I feel when things start to change between them as a relationship. But I, I do dig their friendship right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm. I totally forgot to mention that in the Chase Masterson interview, she talks also about how she has a Doctor Who audiobook series. Ah. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when? How? she plays vienna um in the audio story the shadow heart um and big finish the, yeah yes um yeah the big finish stuff so um she i may not have seen her yet we know which Sue, doctor but she seems that's
2: with? awesome and per- awesome person plus she doctor who awesome. equals andy excitement
1: she uh, worked with the 7th doctor Um, yes yeah and she is a human interstellar bounty hunter best
2: yeah the seventh doctor doesn't (laughs) really have a whole lot of media that i can think of ongoing
0: media i mean
1: Mm Hmm. so um and i think she on the other one that she did i think was with tom baker
0: love that big finish has some great freaking stories
1: sorry i forgot to mention that earlier but that was another thing i was super excited about
2: yeah question this audiobook doesn't include Sylvester McCoy yes.
1: okay, cool. yes
2: <laughs> well, I just I really love <laughs> Sylvester McCoy as an actor. I don't think his doctor got um very good stories, which is too bad because I think he's awesome and that he brought some really interesting stuff. I don't know what you're um, talking
0: about because Greatest Show in the Galaxy is the best Doctor Who serial. Well of I will all have time. to check that one out. I haven't seen that one i've I've seen <laughs> a handful of them. It's about a psychic circus. It's so ridiculous. That sounds perfect
2: and exactly what I want out of my Doctor Who. So I'll have to go check that out. (laughs) I've seen like, basically, I've seen like five or six stories from each Doctor to try and get a sense of them. Um, So I I have no means a a complete knowledge of the um, original classic Doctor Who. Oh, neither do I. I love, I, I love Sylvester McCoy is amazing. And he's really good at conventions too. So if you ever get a chance to like see his YouTube videos of him at conventions, he's
0: hilarious. And so, you know, he's a dragon con guest, right? Oh my gosh. Yay. I have to go find him while I'm wearing my fem seven costume. You have that a was... fem seven costume. <clears throat> yep. Why have We never
2: discussed Dr. Who before Sue,
0: because it, this, this costume is debuting at dragon con this year. I'm so excited.
1: Which reminds me before we wrap up, um, Andy and Sue, you are going to be at DragonCon, as we just learned, uh, if we you hadn't <laughs> heard that in a previous episode, so can you tell me uh, where the podcast uh, panel is going to be and what o- other stuff you're doing there? Sure.
0: So, first of all, Women at Warp is a Parsec Award finalist in the Best New Podcaster slash Team category, and those awards get given out at DragonCon on Sunday night, I believe they they start at 5.30. They go for two and a half hours. And the funny thing is that the Women at Warp panel is Sunday night at 7. So we'll be running.
2: We'll be running from one to the other.
0: Yeah, so we might miss our category at the Parsecs. But yeah, so we'll be at Dragon Con. We are doing the... We're going to be at the Parsec Awards, of course. We're doing a Women at Warp panel. There is no real specific topic to the panel we're going to talk a little bit about the genesis of the podcast and really be guided by the the room what you want to talk about which characters you want to talk about so come hang out with us and i think both of us have multiple panels over the weekend
2: yeah i'm up to seven Yeah, um, I'm up to seven, so that should be fun. Um, I'm not sure if Sue and I are actually going to see each other, um, because Sue is on (laughs) one bajillion panels, and I'm on seven, and we're going to be running all over the place. Are you planning to sleep at any
0: point? Sleep is for the week. I sleep sleep at Dragon Con, (laughs) because I'm not a party person. But no, I'm still waiting on confirmation, but I am either doing 12 or 13 events over the weekend. So
2: <laughs> you're not far behind. I know, I know. But I was just so excited that anybody wanted me to talk about diversity in Agent Carter. So I was like, yes, please.
1: Oh, I wish I could be there,
2: you yeah, guys. Ridiculously jealous. And then Geek Girl Con coming up with Grace's panel on robots.
3: What, what? Also, I got added in uh, to, do, to lead a panel about women's fears in horror films.
0: Oh, Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's October 10th and 11th.
1: Yes, and you can find out more at geekgirlcon.com. They usually sell out, so if you are in the Seattle area and interested in going, you should buy your passes now. So, awesome. Well, that is all very exciting. Um, And it was great sharing our Star Trek Las Vegas interviews with you. Um, But this is just one of the many topics being discussed on the Trek.fm network recently. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network.
5: Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Well, it's very small and intimate, and you get to see, you know, a lot of people whose work you've come to admire or whatever. And, I mean, that's what's kind of cool about it. The the fact that it's in a hotel, it's at the Rio, Mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone is staying there. Earl Grey. Really, she's following the Hasperat, I think, is really what it is. <laughs> Come for the revolution, stay for the hasporat. But It's gotta be fresh hasperat. None of that replicated stuff. Like Daniel's like, at the, watching the end of this episode, like tears are coming down the face. It's like, oh it's the hosperat, it's so spicy, it's what it is. <laughs> the orb. Also, the original title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding. Which when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish, that could have been a Riker episode. <laughs> 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 the Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axanar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! <coughs> I do have one honorable mention.
0: Name it. Pax. Prax!
2: How could we not have a top five season five moments without Prax?
5: Warp 5 It kind of like is akin to um, when fans saw the galaxy class in the next generation for the very first time and you had basically a crew and civilian complement of what over a thousand people? About two thirds of that complement were civilians and their families so you actually did have Teachers and scholars and scientists and their extended families on board. Commentary, Trek stars. One of the things that amazes me about the score for Star Trek The Motion Picture is that he, he only had 50% of the movie available to him when he scored. So he, he was scoring an awful lot to scene missing, scene missing. The 602 Club. Where did oh. he get the cloak from on the <laughs> other planet? I really, really, really want to know. He shows up uh, with the he, cloak. He 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 kind of fashioned it out of out of a ludu- rudimentary lane, yeah. uh <laughs> Literary treks.
2: It's a small point, but I thought it was really interesting to have here in the book because, again, that's what Star Trek: Deep Space
5: Nine it's really always done for star trek which is kind of make faith okay in the star trek universe and show how it's valid and so i thought that was a really nice in uh, it again it's a it's a tiny point in the book but i thought it was pretty powerful at least for me who is somebody who is a faith so mm-hmm. axonar the official podcast It is the spirit of TOS That Matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969. That had its moment. It had its time. And there's a certain amount of charm still to that, but it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion.
1: Nico could totally beat the crap out of Rumpelstiltskin, this is so, like, I cannot buy this at all. That she's just sitting there being
3: like, oh my baby! At the very least she could throw a plant at him or something. Because we established in TNG that pot foo is a thing.
5: And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
1: So before we go, I just wanted to remind you all that it would be awesome to, if you would spare a second to review us on iTunes. Um, iTunes ratings and reviews are part of the way that iTunes picks what content to show people, uh, f- to suggest podcasts to them. Um, so if you like the show, uh, head on over and uh, give us a rating and a review. Tell uh, tell iTunes that you like us uh, so more people can find us. Also, wanted to remind you about our Women at Warp Patreon. Um, we have uh, posted there some more content from Star Trek Las Vegas um, for our, our patrons. Um, so if you head on over to patreon.com slash women at warp, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash women at warp, um, and you pledge a small monthly donation, you'll get access to that content. And uh, there's also other perks for different levels of donations. So um, head on over and check it out. It helps us do things like when I was at Star Trek Las Vegas, I was able to have some business cards printed to promote the podcast around, um, helping us spread the word to more Star Trek fans. And if you'd like to donate to the Trek.fm network um, versus just our podcast, you could also do that at the Trek.fm Patreon. Uh, they have a Patreon at patreoncom com slash trekfm, patreon.com slash trekfm. Every little bit helps keep the Star Trek podcasts up and running. And so once you're done the show, please consider hopping on over to the Women at Warp and or the trek.fm Patreons. So um, thanks a lot for listening today. Andy, where can people find you on the interwebs?
2: The easiest place to find me is at First Time Trek, where I am live-tweeting my first time through Star Trek, and I am currently on DS9, learning more about Kira.
1: Awesome. And Sue?
0: You can find uh, podcasts and blogs from me at anomalypodcast.com.
1: And Grace?
0: You can find me on Twitter at
3: BonecrusherJank, or you can read my writing on the Mythcreants blog.
1: And I'm Jara Hodge. You can find me at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com or at Jarrah Penguin on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening.
2: Hashtag Marta lives.